You're listening to Behind the Bliss, a weekly podcast where Rachel Autry brings conversations to you from women that share what's behind their highlight reel. Each episode is designed for you to see a message from the mess and encourage you to find balance in the bliss. We know that what you're facing is important for shaping who God has created you to be. Some may say it's a process that often happens behind the bliss. Here's today's episode. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Bliss. If you follow along on Instagram, you may have seen that recently Thomas and I found out that baby is a boy and we are so excited. Lots of really fun things and updates to come and maybe a new podcast episode with just Thomas and I. But in the meantime, there are incredible episodes we have lined up for this entire season. I can't wait to bring to you. And today's is one of those. You probably know, but today's society has really helped us perfect the art of false guilt, particularly as women. We have a tendency to guilt ourselves over so many things, or at least I do. Today's guest, Valerie Burton, has a message in a new book called Let Go of the Guilt. And today she shares practical advice and tools on how to free yourself from this trap, allowing you to live a more joy-filled and fulfilling life. So today, we're diving a bit deeper into where guilt comes from, especially for us women, how it can plague our lives, leaving us feeling empty and unfulfilled. We unpack some of the contents of Valerie's book. I'm thankful for Valerie as a strong female voice who is hoping to leave you feeling empowered, seeking change, and breaking free from your own guilt because that's exactly how I felt after leaving today's conversation. It is time to let go of the guilt, living your best life and taking back the joy that's meant for you. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Valerie. Hey Valerie, welcome to Behind the Bliss podcast. I am so excited to have you. Hey Rachel, it's good to be here. The message that you have and a lot of the things I am watching you and seeing you say, I just keep nodding my head like, "Uh uh-huh, yes, girl, I can get behind this. I think these are messages that a lot of people are craving to hear. So how timely. Yeah, I think so many women, particularly around guilt, can relate. I mean, you just say the word guilt and it's like, uh, yeah, what don't I feel guilty about? I mean, it's, um, I think it's epidemic among women and I didn't realize that. I thought it was just me until I started talking about it and getting so much feedback. Uh, and then people kind of like me were thinking and, and telling you the feedback that, yeah, that's exactly how I feel too. Yeah. And they were telling me other ways that I had not thought of because I wasn't struggling in those areas, but it all still boiled back down to, I feel like I've done something wrong. Oftentimes, even when I haven't actually done something wrong, um, mm-hmm. or I feel like I'm never doing enough, or I'm not measuring up. I beat myself up all the time. I mean, it's just, it was it was showing up in different ways, but it was still the same issue. Yeah. Okay. So funny story. I was actually taking a shower the other day and thought I was home alone. And I was having a full on conversation slash argument with this person that I probably need to confront. And so I was kind of going through different <laughs> scenarios in my head. Meanwhile, my husband walks in our room and was like, Rachel, are you okay? okay? I was was so embarrassed. But it's funny you say that because yes, like even we talked about this after I got out. He said, it's funny you put yourself through so much more than you should. He's like a lot of the situations that you build up in your head never actually come to be. And the guilt that you feel 
other people probably don't expect you to feel that way. It's just you putting it on yourself. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Well, I'm really excited to dive into this with you today. But before we do, I would love for you to take a second and to share who Valerie is, all the things that you have going on. Shameless plug it all. I, I obviously an author, uh, since we're talking about guilt, I have a book, Let Go of the Guilt. Stop beating yourself up and take back your joy. That just came out. It's my 13th book. Writing is at the core of my calling, which is to inspire women to live more fulfilling lives. I felt so clearly that the Holy Spirit spoke to me about my purpose years ago. Yeah. And so I started writing and speaking, and then I discovered coaching as a result. So I've been coaching almost 20 years, and my company trains personal and executive coaches, the CAP Institute, which stands for Coaching and Positive Psychology. So, you know, in Let Go of the Guilt, I basically give readers a coaching method, a, a way to coach yourself out of guilt by pausing and noticing what you're saying to yourself and the emotions that that creating and then being very intentional about telling the truth. Oftentimes, what we're saying to ourselves isn't the truth. And I really believe from a biblical perspective, that it is one of the ways that the enemy accomplishes his purpose from John 10, 10, that he, you know, came to kill and steal and destroy and by planting those seeds of doubt and fear and guilt that oftentimes we will buy into and start repeating back to ourselves, he accomplishes his purpose. And I know that's not God's plan for us. Yeah. Well, you have this incredible perspective with that and an outlook on women and some of the expectations that we are putting on ourselves right now, probably more expectations than we've ever put on ourselves before, I would say. Yeah. Um, And with those expectations, then exactly what you're saying is here comes the guilt because we believe that we aren't doing the things the way that we're supposed to, or we're not doing them all at once very well. And I want to hear what you have to say about this and maybe even identify what that feeling of guilt is for a lot of people and how it sometimes appears if people are trying to identify if if this is something they can relate to, which they probably can. (laughs) Well, you know, there's authentic guilt and there's false guilt. So authentic guilt is you've done something wrong. And you need to fix it. <laughs> you need to atone for it, apologize. Sometimes that means making amends if that's possible. Um, and being able to accept forgiveness from God, from others, and even to forgive yourself, because often we are the last ones um, to forgive ourselves. That's where the beating ourselves up comes from. But, mm. but you know, guilt is I've done something wrong or I've caused harm. That's authentic guilt. But false guilt is I feel like I've done something wrong or caused harm. Not the same thing. (laughs) It's not the same thing to have done something wrong or caused harm (laughs) as it is to feel like you did. And so, you know, there, I think there are a few thought patterns. I mean, sometimes it's, you know, I've done something wrong. I believe I've done something wrong. Sometimes it's I didn't do enough. Sometimes it's even guilt for, you know, I have more than someone else. So we can feel guilty for our blessings. We can feel guilty for good fortune. We can feel guilty because we feel like we have an advantage that somebody else didn't have. And what did I, I didn't do anything to deserve that. Maybe it was just the circumstances I was born into or, or the family, or maybe somebody just did something that, you know, gave me an opportunity. We can feel guilty even about those things. And so when I began 
the journey of writing the book, I surveyed about 500 women. And I found that was a really big one. There were a lot of women who said things like, you know, I was the first in my family to go to college and, you know, I make more than everyone else. So I feel obligated. And so this is turned into sometimes um, being taken advantage of um, women who we know mom guilt, right? Mom guilt is kind of <laughs> universal. But then there's the the woman who doesn't have kids and feels either one society or culture or even family may put expectations on her and she may feel like she's done something wrong somehow. Or, oh, you don't have kids. You can babysit. You can fill in. You can mm-hmm. you can do the extra work at work or at church or wherever. So there are a lot of different ways that, that this can show up. Wow. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, that you were talking about the two different types of guilt. Because for me, in the moments where I have to seek forgiveness from someone or I'm convicted, like, oh, yeah, I did not handle that well, comes from, I feel like, a healthy guilt where I'm able to recognize, yeah, I messed up and I I need to make this right. But then like you were saying, there's the unhealthy guilt, which is where you make up scenarios in your head, do all the things. So I wanted to definitely like, you know, make sure to define the two because we're not saying to our listeners, like all guilt's bad guilt. Cause I think that at the same time, the Lord did place that emotion as a part of our psyche on purpose. Right. But we, of course, like everything else can pervert it and it can turn to something that the enemy will use, like you're saying, to still to steal, kill and destroy. So first, hear us, hear us in the first 10 minutes say we're not saying all guilt's bad guilt, do whatever you want. We're wanting to make sure to define the two. Well, guilt can be guilt can be a gift. Um, it is is it is there for a reason. Guilt will keep you from doing something you shouldn't do, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, um, it's a compass. That conviction is the Holy Spirit saying, "No, this is not aligned with God's will," and you want to listen to that. So that kind of guilt is what God intends for us to feel. That is the good guilt. That is the um, that is God saying, "Nope." no peace right there. There's a reason you don't feel at peace about doing that because you're not supposed wow. to do it. <laughs> right. That's, that's a good thing. Um, but there are, there are three truths of guilt. One is that guilt is a message. It's just, it's information. It's your conscience trying to tell you something, right? So like I said, either I've done something wrong or I'm telling myself I've done something wrong and you've got to get clear between the two. But guilt is also a debt. So when you feel guilty, you feel that you owe something, right? You have to make up for it. Guilt is like a sentence mm. that's saying, you know what, there's a consequence to your actions or your lack of actions and somebody has to be compensated. That means you've got to give up something. It could be your rights, your freedom, your money, your voice. And so yeah. if we don't distinguish between authentic guilt, where yes, we may need to make up for something and false guilt we will find ourselves behaving as though we are indebted in some way, overcompensating, for example. Mm. Um, We will find ourselves being able to be manipulated, right? Somebody can take us on a guilt trip and get us to do what we wouldn't otherwise do because we feel we owe. So we have to really pay attention to what's going on. And then lastly, guilt is an opportunity, You know, it's an opportunity to either change something or to accept something, you know, to clarify your values, to clarify whether you actually 
do need to broach that conversation and own up to something and apologize. Um, sometimes it's, you know what, it's an opportunity to set stronger boundaries or have meaningful conversations. So there's so much about this. And I think the, the big thing is you want to be able to read the messages in your emotions, whether it's guilt or anything else. And so many of us just let the emotions throw us all over the place. And that's really not what God intends. Yeah, exactly. And for me, I feel like I fall into the inauthentic guilt when I look to my left and I look to my right and I see that other women are, quote unquote, doing it well. (laughs) Or I have the expectation that I should be able to keep up or whatever. And it's just exhausting. And really for me, it dwindles down to I just really want to be successful a successful wife, businesswoman, friend, etc. And when I feel like I fall short of that expectation I set for myself is when I fall into the inauthentic guilt. So you've also done a lot of really amazing things with this idea of success. And I think the two merge really well together. So I would want to hear also, like, what is your definition of success? And when can we say, okay, I, I really have done well today, even though I don't have much to show for it or whatever. There's no reason for me to feel this guilt. You know, I have a really specific definition of success. I first shared it in a book I wrote called Successful Women Think Differently. And it's simply this, success is a harmony of purpose, resilience, and joy. So it's, Mm. what is God's purpose for me? Simple question, how is someone's life better when they cross paths with you? Knowing that today you accomplished your divine assignments what God needs for you to do today, right? And that could be as simple as get some rest, (laughs) be kind, share that idea that I put in your spirit. Like it really can be that simple. It's resilience because inevitably we have challenges. So you may need to bounce back from a conversation that didn't go the way you wanted. Maybe there's a disappointment. I mean, anything can happen throughout your day. But ultimately joy, I think is a really good Mm -hmm. measure of success. That we can find joy even in the small things, even in the difficult circumstances. So that's my definition. I love that. It's so simple because in my mind, I can just complicate it. And I'm like, it's not even attainable. I'll just forget it. And then I just feel like I, you know, everyone gets a less than Rachel. (laughs) That's not fair. Well, you know what? When you talk about, you know, you want to be successful at what you do in your work, in your relationships, in your health. One of the things I discovered when I was researching the book that was fascinating to me is the connection between the most common trait of successful people and the trait that tends towards guilt. And there are five, there's this big five personality traits in psychology. And the one that's most common with successful people is conscientiousness. So, you know, people who are conscientious want to do things well, they want to do things right. In fact, I've taken this personality test and my conscientiousness is ridiculous. It's I'm in like the 97th or 98th percentile. My mother my my mother, my husband had me take this, <laughs> this assessment. He's like, I think you're really high in this. Um and which explains my guilt because that's expectation. Mm, yeah. And so those who are really conscientious, look, they make the best employees. They will make sure that, you know, plans get carried out and executed. They're great to be in relationship with because they're conscientious. They want to they want to give you their best. They don't they want to make sure they're doing right by you. So these are the good friends, the good partners. But at the same time, 
it's often difficult to live up to those expectations all the time. And so these same people often feel more guilt. Um, it's very interesting. Conscientiousness is a better predictor, for example, of, of attendance at work than how much you love your job. Wow. So a person can, can be passionate about what they do, but if they're low on conscientiousness, they may or may not show up regularly and on time. But that conscientious person doesn't have to love their job to be consistent and to be reliable. They're also more likely to, to give <laughs> conscientious people. It's that guilt that kind of kicks in. Oh, I really should help. I could help. What am I thinking? So conscientious people think a lot. They think a lot about what the right thing is to do. And again, what is guilt? It is, I did something wrong. So if you are all about getting things right and you think you didn't get something right, guilt is the natural outcome yeah. of that. Yeah. Okay. So I'm loving all of this and I feel like I really pray and hope listeners are too, because this is phenomenal. You have an incredible new book like you were saying, let go of the guilt, which is all about helping women peel back the layers of emotions like we're talking about, even cultural and spiritual expectations that make it hard for them yeah. to navigate just what it's like to have multiple roles and dreams and demands in life. But then also like you give great practical advice to help them shed the guilt and step into what you say, a life full of joy and contentment, which is the other side of John 10, 10 that Jesus came to give us life yeah. so we could have it abundantly into the full. And so I want to speak some practical steps if someone has thought at this point in the podcast episode, like, absolutely, wow, she's reading my mail. <laughs> I have so much inauthentic guilt that I'm ready to shed. What are some of those practical ways we can do that? Well, one, I want you to just have some self-compassion, which simply means start talking to yourself the way you talk to people you care about. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Okay. Make your guilt list. So what are you feeling most guilty about? For me, I was really struggling between my, my work, my business, and my home life. And I was doing a lot of things really well. I was using the flexibility, which was what I, why I wanted to go into business. I remember thinking, I want to be an author. I want to have a business. I was 20 and it took me 20 years to get to the full vision where I was, I had the business, I was married, had kids, and I was feeling guilty about working. Like I was looking around me and there were a lot of stay-at-home moms in our neighborhood. Not everybody, but there were a lot. And that's what we do. We compare ourselves to people who are doing something different than we are. And then we feel like we're not measuring up. But I knew what God was calling me to do. And besides, this was the vision that was given yeah. to me. And I was yeah. living it. Why was I feeling guilty? I should have felt all sorts of joy. <laughs> and so talking to yourself the way you would talk to a friend, for me, that meant saying, Valerie, look at how you're helping people. And you're such an intentional mom. You're doing what God's called you to do. Your life doesn't need to look like somebody else's. Besides, you'd be miserable if that was you because that's not what you've been uniquely right, equipped to yeah. do. So, and, and if you're the stay-at-home mom, it's the same thing. What has God called you to in this season? So that really leads to expectations. And many of us have set expectations that set us up for guilt. So resetting expectations is essential. For example, there's Several types of expectations I talk about in the book, but three that stand out are outdated expectations, which is 
you're holding on to expectations that made sense in a different season of life. <laughs> like whenever I was on swim team and I should have been able, like the other day at the pool, I was so frustrated I couldn't swim the same. And then I was like, well, I haven't been on swim team in about 10 years. So yeah, <laughs> right. outdated for sure. Right. So now you outdated expectations, right? I had outdated expectations of getting as much done, like writing as quickly and writing as many books as I did before I was married and had kids as I did mm, after. Yeah. And I, and I, and it wasn't conscious. So outdated expectations often, it's just what we've always done and we don't notice we're in a new season, reset them. Vague expectations. That is, <laughs> these are the worst. These are, I should eat better. I should spend more time with, and you fill in the blank of who that is. I should work harder. It's so vague. You could always work harder. You could always eat better. <laughs> you, you could be eating great and always right. eat better, right? You could always spend more time. How much time? Get specific about what the expectations are so that you have a chance of meeting them. And if they're too high and you're finding yourself never meeting the expectations, reset the expectation so that you can succeed. And then the other type I think so many of us can relate to as women is perfectionistic mm. expectations. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, so the research shows that perfectionism is largely a women's issue. I didn't realize this until I was really <laughs> kind of investigating. And, and part of it is just how we are, I think, socialized and raised to be perfect. Everything needs to look a certain way. Oftentimes with boys, you know, it's get up, dust yourself off, that, you know, it's not about being just perfect. And so noticing when we're doing that and deciding what our standards are, like it can be a high standard and still not be perfect. This is about really accepting your own humanity, mm -hmm. that we all fall short, that when you actually have authentic guilt, because you did something wrong, you made a bad choice, that you can tell the truth about it rather than expecting, well, I'm supposed to be perfect, right? Yeah. Letting go of the, the perfectionistic expectations is really about humility. Yeah. It's really about saying, you know what, sometimes I'm not going to get it right. And I don't even use that as an excuse. I recognize that's why I need God. Yes. Oh, I'm glad you went and, there. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking for how is he trying to grow me here? If I was wrong, Lord, show me what you need me to do differently strengthen me, help me to be more humble, help me to have a spirit that wants to learn and wants to grow and help me to not get stuck in beating myself up because you don't condemn me. You convict me, but you don't condemn me. Mm -hmm. And so when we can really receive that, we're okay when we realize, you know what, I was wrong. And it can be, it can be the, the, the simple thing like, you flew off the handle when you were talking to your kids or your spouse or who or your coworker, right? Or, or perhaps you're the boss and, <laughs> and you didn't speak so nicely to that person. You can come back and say, you know what? I didn't handle that well and I'm sorry. I'm really working on my emotions and I'm sorry that you bore the brunt of that. That's good. I mean, that takes that takes some humility, but I believe that's what God's trying to get from us. And he, he doesn't want us wallowing in the guilt of it. He wants us finding the lesson in it so we can grow. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's also right. And I'm so glad, like I said, you went this way because 
spiritually speaking, I'm about to go there. But when we hang on to guilt that isn't ours, what we're saying really is um, it's about me or I can fix it rather than humbling ourselves and saying, okay, Lord, I need you to step in and intervene like you already have with your son, Jesus. And I like, please remind me that this and that my mistakes or whatever are covered in grace. And then also what yeah. it's saying, if, if you deny, you know, the grace that we have and harp on guilt and really upset yourself, you're also, in my opinion, like offending our father who gave his son and basically saying, yeah, but that's not enough. I've still got something that I need to work through. I need something yep. else besides Jesus. And that's hard. Right. Because like I said, one of those three truths of guilt, guilt is a debt. Mm, yeah, that's good. Guilt is a debt. But Jesus paid that debt already. Our job is to say, okay, what do you need me to do in those situations where I am wrong? How can I atone? How can I get better? How can I make sure I don't keep doing this again and again? That's where the real work is. Mm. And then, Jesus, I don't even deserve this forgiveness, but you give it to me as this gift. I'm going to receive it. And that alone for me is is a motivator to do better. It's it's the grace that you don't want to abuse. Yeah. <laughs> that you want to receive and then get better and grow through it rather than just going through those difficulties of life. I love that. Yeah. So in 1 John, I think in 1 John 1 at some point, Oh man, this is, I should just, I'll put it in the show notes. I'll look it up later. But it's so cool because John's calling the people he's talking to, to sin no more. And when we sin no more, he's not saying now be perfect. Because I think a lot of times people are like, well, I'm not going to be able to be perfect. So I just won't even try, which is interesting. But then um, he's basically saying not because, not because you're going to be perfect. That's not, we're not calling you to legalism here. Obviously we're going to make mistakes and, And we need grace for that. But when we strive for progression until we're going to meet perfection, which is an eternity, what does it look like for us to say, okay, but I want to be better today, not because I'm proving anything to myself, but because God's called me to progress and to learn more about my sin and what he has instead for me. And I love that. It's, It's all about being emotionally aware and humble to say, oh, I messed that up. I'm really trying this whole progression thing and it's not working so well right now. Oh you gosh, that, that humility is, is huge, but it's also freeing. Yeah. yeah, It's so freeing. I think our perfectionism can cause us to feel we have to put forth this perfect facade of what life is, of who we are, of, um, of even our behavior. Mm. And sometimes... You know, you can be in a situation where another person is really far more wrong than you are. And yet, when you own your piece of it, like maybe they're 90% of the problem and you're 10. When you're willing to acknowledge your 10, it opens up the conversation in a whole new way. Mm, yeah. Because you're inserting truth and humility. I mean, of course, there are those people who just don't aren't emotionally capable of having that kind of conversation. But oftentimes when you are willing to be humble and, and to be honest about your own shortcomings, it opens the other person up 
to be able to acknowledge what they need to do wrong as well. So you're not just butting heads on this one little tiny point of you did X. You're like, no, I didn't. Well, maybe you did. Maybe there's a grain of truth. And not being afraid of the grain of truth is powerful. Dang, Valerie, you are just dropping all the truth nuggets today. (laughs) Okay, so I want to revisit what you said something in the beginning was kind of about there's a guilt with specifically to purpose. And I think especially right now, I'm, I sense that this is like a really trendy thing is knowing your purpose, finding your purpose, um, and like living out your purpose. And I think a lot of times if people haven't yet identified that or they aren't sure about what that might be, I think there can obviously be guilt. Like, oh, am I wasting my time? Am I doing this right? Is it worth it even? And so I want you to speak to the woman maybe listening who is like, yeah, my guilt is totally revolved around not knowing what I'm doing and wanting to do things well, but not knowing if it has anything to do with, you know, greater purpose. Well, you know, I asked that simple coaching question, how is someone's life better when they cross paths with Mm. you? Answer that question. It's a powerful question. And the answer is usually simple. And I have found that people always can answer it. <laughs> they answer it like in a real, like they don't think they're actually saying their purpose because we think of purpose as this thing that has to be so big and sounds oh, I think so purpose exciting. people think is vocation, which it's not always vocational. It could totally be, you know, something more simple. Yeah. And for some people, their purpose is directly tied to what they do, but your purpose still is not a role. So for example, mine is inspiring women to live more fulfilling lives. So, and I, and I felt the Lord said, you're going to do that through writing and speaking. So I started writing and he didn't tell me I had to write books. I could have written magazine articles or poetry. I don't know, but that's what, that's what my passion was for. It's what I always dreamed of. Um, But I recall when, for example, um, my mother had a brain aneurysm years ago while we were on the phone. Wow. And that led to brain surgery, two months in the hospital, losing most of her physical abilities. And I moved back home to help take care of her. And I wasn't able at that time to speak very much um, and write and so forth. But my mission at that time was inspiring one woman. It was a very specific, you know, here's how the mission applies. And, and I, I mean, I had anxiety around it because obviously I didn't want to do anything other than help my mom during that time. But I also felt like I was not progressing in this, some of the things that I had felt called to do. And it was like, no, but right now this is the divine assignment that I've given you. So your purpose applies in your family, in your community, in your work, in your health. It gives direction to how you um, handle your finances. And it can be as simple as, you know, you're the problem solver. You're the bridge builder. You entertain. You teach. You help see people see things from a new perspective. I mean, it's really short and simple, but it comes naturally to you. And it may even be rooted in past experiences that you've had, whether good or bad because purpose can come out of pain as well. So really see it as this thing that applies to everything in your life. And it's a compass that guides you. I prayed for a couple of years to know my purpose before I felt like God really revealed to me exactly what it was. And once I was clear 
it did give me new vision. It, it did change my career path. But that's not always how it applies to everyone. It, but it always has to do with you serving and loving others using your gifts and your experiences. Mm, so good. Yes. And that equation necessary, like, I don't know how to say it for lack of better terms, this equation trying to figure out, okay, my purpose meets all of those. Okay. Yes. It can be as simple or as specific as the Lord's laid on your heart. Again. Absolutely. I think a lot of times too, like purposes for me are hard to believe because I'm like, no way. Because when I think too, what's cool about a purpose, you, you probably would say the same, but um, when our purpose seems something bigger than what we can do on our own, it's a it's a, another opportunity for us to rely on God. Be like, okay, well, I'm going to need yes. to help. You're going to need to help me with that. If that's what you're calling me to do because I can't do that today. Um, and that's where he wants us. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, oftentimes we're thinking uh, really about staying in our comfort zone. And so what he wants us to do may be something that takes us out of our comfort zone. Um, and I love when he does that. But yeah, purpose can be so simple. One of my favorites is a woman I met years ago, and uh, I helped her find her purpose. And it was so simple. It was to bring joy. Wow. She was just a joyous person. And I'll never forget her sending me an email after the speaking engagement where I said that to her. And she said, you know, I just didn't know it could be that simple. She said, I went back to work and I was telling everybody I discovered my purpose and it's bringing joy. <laughs> and she said they all looked at her with this like, well, yeah, we know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so if you don't know your purpose, ask the people who know you best yes. how their lives are better be- because of you, because they're going to tell you because they're the ones that are benefiting from that purpose. Oh, yeah. And I feel like my brain is always so cloudy because I get all the behind the scenes thoughts and, and guilt and all the things. And sometimes it's so much easier for someone else to identify something about you than it is for mm-hmm. you to, because again, absolutely cloudy, crazy. Yep. And you could be living your purpose even if you haven't articulated it. Hmm. I mean, I, I was inspiring people to live more fulfilling lives before I realized my purpose was inspiring people to live more fulfilling lives. Wow. So, you know, it's we like to know what it is. We like to articulate it. But trust that if you are serving the world in ways that feel natural to you, you're, you're living purpose. Boom. Boom. Pressure's off. Shed the guilt. You're probably thinking too much about it. <laughs> it's probably way just right in front of your face. We're just trying to look too hard for it. Um, man, this is good. This is so good. Did you feel like you had a point in your life where you were like, oh, wow, I have lots of guilt. I need to shed this. Or that you felt that guilt became so personal to you that it kind of led you to do all of this and, and to write, let go of the guilt. Or was it one of those you just saw it and we're having conversations about it and you thought, yeah, this is needed, or both. It was that. I, I I was asked at a speaking engagement. I'd spoke, I'd done a keynote to a few thousand women, and then I was asked to do a breakout session for working parents. And I was like, I don't know why y'all are asking me to do this. I've never <laughs> proclaimed to be an expert at that, but okay. Um, and I, I basically told them, look, I am not an expert at helping you understand exactly what you should be doing as a working parent to feel, you know, in complete harmony, blah, 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 blah. But I had, I mean, I had written about busyness and so on and so forth. And I just said, you know, I'm gonna be honest, I feel a lot of guilt. And these hands start flying up. Like it was like, 
oh yeah, me too. And I was like, oh my goodness. And women were just sharing their guilt. So I started talking about it more and more. And I realized this is an emotional need. It is a drain and nobody's really talking about it or what to do about it. And that's where the book idea came from. I wanted to let go for myself because I, look, Rachel, I would feel guilty going into the office um, or not going into the office. Let's say I spoke all weekend and got back home on a Monday or something. I would feel guilty if I wasn't in the office the same time as my team who had not traveled anywhere (laughs) and enjoyed their weekend. Like I was always feeling like, oh, they're there at the office. and Well, I need rest. I should stay home. I would feel guilty about so many different things that were just ridiculous to feel guilty about. And even when I would describe it to my husband. Wow. Yeah. He's like, you're, why are you feeling, you're a great mom. What are you feeling guilty about? Yeah. And so for me, I wanted to, I wanted to work my way through it and I wanted to help others to do the same. So that's where, that's where the book came from. So beautiful. One last thought as you were saying that, um, about you coming back in from vacation and feeling guilty, you know, that kind of thing. I so, I so get that. And what's funny is I feel like I'm not able to fully celebrate because of guilt, or I'm not able to fully rest because I feel guilty taking a nap, or I'm not able to fully whatever because guilt steals a portion of it. And so I think that's another good, important, like, please (laughs) identify the guilt and shed it with some of the practicals that Valerie talked about today, because it's keeping you from living that full, abundant, jaunting 10 life God came for. And it's for you. And when you feel it, when you feel it, one of the pieces of advice I give in the book is label it. Like when you feel guilt coming up, go, that's guilt. That creates an interruption so that you don't automatically then react out of guilt. Like, for example, decide not to take the nap because you're telling yourself you don't deserve it or you're being lazy. Instead, you say, that's guilt. What am I doing wrong here? And it's, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm taking really good care of myself. I feel tired. I'm going to take a nap. (laughs) So you're, you're changing the conversation in your head. And if you need to list evidence, like, I've worked pretty hard today, or I went to bed late last night, or you know what? We're in the middle of a pandemic and I feel yeah. emotionally spent yeah. and I just need a doggone nap and that's okay. God's happy. You know why? Because I'm taking care of my temple. So I'm going to sleep and that's it. And so sometimes you have to just push back on it, but labeling the guilt research actually shows when we do that with any emotion that threatens to throw us off course by you know, reacting rather than just intentionally responding, you just label it. When you, when you feel it, you go, that's guilt. And, and rather than that's guilt, so I'm going to operate out of it, you say, that's guilt. Let me stop and question it. Let me push back on it. Yeah. I almost imagined like a little cartoon character. I don't know why I'm saying this. Um, <laughs> of like this like robber, old school like bandit, just kind of tiptoeing. And you're like, hey, that's guilt. And like the yep. light gets flashed on him. He's like, oh, no, got to go. Oh, no. You know, like, I That's was so found good. Out. That's so good. And it's the same. It's like you just have to identify it. And I, yes, like the enemy is tricky. He's he's a lot smarter than sometimes I would want to give him credit for, unfortunately. And he's going to try to weasel his way in anything. Camouflage as anything. Hello, serpent. Like he's just going to he's just going to do silly, dumb things to be able to creep in any way he can. But when we're able to be like, you don't belong here. You're uninvited from this party. We can fully be, which is freedom. Praise God we have it. 
Oh, absolutely. Grateful. Well, I want you to spill where can people get let go of the guilt, find more about you, just be inspired by you. Or hey, if they're like, oh, I need her to coach me. Where can they find (laughs) all of that information? They can go to ValerieBurton.com. When they go there, obviously there's all the info and everything I do, but when you click on the book, you'll see the book on the homepage um, or just ValerieBurton.com slash guilt will take you straight there. There's a ton of bonuses that we do for this book, including I created a six-part video series, like a discussion series that you can use with your small group, your book club, your Bible study group with a book club kit for discussion, because I think this is an issue that we need to talk about together and support one another. So that's one of many gifts there in the um, uh, that are there on the website. And there are links to all of the retailers, whether you use Amazon or Barnes and Noble, christianbook.com, all the different retailers have the book. Amazing. We'll put all this in the show notes too. So if people are wanting to find something, it'll be there. We are excited to hype up our girl, Valerie. Oh, one of my favorite <laughs> questions to ask this will end the show. What's something, Valerie, that you're loving these days that you have to share with the people? Oh, gosh. Like something that I love that like I use because I have. Yeah, a- anything. Like we've had people say vacuum cleaners or songs or recipes, like just anything that you're like, oh, my gosh, you have to know about this. Okay. I've, I've only shared this one other time, but it's, it's a, such a simple little gadget I ran into at Costco. What is it? I was trying to just go get like some bananas and clementines and you know, they're always, they're always teasing you with stuff on the end of the aisle and it was a towel warmer. <laughs> what? It looks like a little cute, it almost looks like a little cute white trash can with a lid on top and it yeah. sits right outside of my shower. So before I get in the shower, I put my towel in and I press the button and it heats my towel up. So when I get out of the shower... I just wrap myself in this warm, hot towel. Stop it. It's like Valerie. It's like the ultimate luxury. <laughs> I was just about to say, this is probably the best favorite thing I've heard in like a month. This is amazing. I'm wondering, I'm like, do they have it at my Costco? Surely it's on Amazon. Uh, yeah, both. <laughs> oh my goodness. You have enlightened us all. No more cold towels for the rest of our life. It's just not necessary to get out and have that cold towel. I'm telling you now when I, when I forget, I'm so mad. <laughs> I get out of the shower. Oh shoot. I didn't put my towel in the towel warmer. <laughs> Hilarious. That is how, yes. Oh my gosh. So one of my friends has heated floors in her house and she came over and uh, hung out with me one night when my husband was in training and she took a shower, came out. And she's like, Rachel, you need heated floors. And I was like, no, you're just spoiled. <laughs> She's like, I'll never know, you know, like I'll never take for granted my heated floors. And now heated towels. Oh, yes. this is amazing. And that and, and heated towel is more accessible. It's cheaper. That's it. I'm like, <laughs> please hear me. I'm not saying go heat your floors because that's expensive. Wow. This is good stuff. Okay. So you can learn all about like of guilt, heated towels, all the things. We'll link it all in the show notes. We're all going to be better people for it. This episode of Behind the Bliss podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more episodes so you don't miss episodes full of encouragement. And don't forget to rate and review so that we can continue to bring you the best content. See you in the next episode.